Welcome everyone to episode five of Vino with Pino, the podcast where we talk about my two favorite things, wine and my dog Pino. Today we will be talking about Malbec, which is Argentina's most important black grape varietal, and it's one of my favorite valley wines. I often found myself purchasing this, especially when I lived in Manhattan, because you can pretty much always get a very good representation and a very drinkable Malbec from Argentina specifically for around $15, sometimes even $12. You know, it's not typically a super high price point, but it is consistently a very good wine. So I always brought it with me when I went to friends' house or dinner parties or just even picked it up on my way home from work for myself. It was definitely one of my favorite value wines. Um, Malbec as a grape is typically high in tannin, but those tannins are softer than a tannin that you'll find in, say, Cabernet Sauvignon. It's very black fruit heavy, so you have a lot of blackberry, black plum in it. It's usually very full-bodied, meaning if you were to compare it to milk, it is like cream, where a light body would be like a skim milk. Medium-bodied is 2% milk. That's kind of the comparison that's often used in the wine world. So most people consider Malbec, and most Malbecs you'll have are typically full-bodied. And then they're often oaked. And they're often oaked because of that high tannin level. Oak can really help just soften those tannins, but it will leave these clove and vanilla flavors in it. You can see it blended or a single varietal. And yeah, I mean, very good examples can age, but I would say that most of the Malbec that I drink is fairly young. So diving into today's wine, it's another bottle from my First Leaf shipment, which I talked a little bit about what First Leaf was in the last episode, so if you're curious about First Leaf Wine Club, you can check that out. Again, not a sponsor, just personally, I have the subscription and love it. It has introduced me to a lot of wines. But yes, so this wine that I'm trying today is Andes 2019 Malmac Reserva from Mendoza, Argentina. And Reserva in Argentina is an uncontrolled labeling term, so that means that the vineyard can just put Reserva on the label and it doesn't have any special significance to it. Oh, and actually, Malbec is native to southwest France, but it adapted so well to the South American climate um, that now it's actually more well known for being an Argentinian grape than a French grape. But yeah, so I'm going to try it. Yeah, that's just like everything that you expect from a Malbec. They're super easy drinking wines. If you like Cabernet Sauvignon, I definitely recommend you try it. Again, it has a little bit softer of a tannin, but it still has that fuller bodied element to it. It has more a lot of structure and it's just a really good wine. It pairs really well with food. It's just such an easy drinking wine and I just think it's undervalued because it's not one of the principal grape varieties, so it's less known. People are snobs and will look down on it, but honestly, that's just kind of dumb because it's a great wine. And so, yeah, I'm going to keep drinking, but we'll dive in to the Pinot Pup. 
portion of, wow, say that three times fast, Pinot Pup portion, Pinot Pup portion, Pinot Pup portion. <laughs> Sorry, sometimes I crack myself up. Okay, so this episode, we're going to talk about walking your dog, which sounds like such a simple concept, but it's not. At least it hasn't been for me. There are so many decisions to be made when walking your dog that I didn't think about or know when I got Pinot. Like, there are so many different leashes. You know, do you want a reflective leash, a bungee cord leash, a hands-free leash, six feet, four feet, ten feet, thirty feet? <laughs> There's just a lot of choices, and especially in harnesses, you know, just in a harness. You can have a front loop harness, one that clips at their shoulders, one that clips a little farther down their back. It can have a chest plate or be more like the triangular easy walk harnesses that go across their chest. You know, do you want to walk your dog from the front loop or a back loop? There's just like so many decisions that I didn't expect. And I've had a lot of harnesses and a lot of leashes. I've spent way too much money on equipment to walk my dog, but that's okay because what I've found is that you use this stuff every single day and even if it's something that I only used for two months and then realized there was a better product or something better out there, I still used it enough that I did amortize it over the length of time I used it. Yes, my mother has an accountant background and I think of purchase is in amortization, so as long as I use it enough that on a per-use basis, it came out to a price that I'm okay with, I'm okay with spending the money. But to walk you through my journey with Pinot, she first had one of those harnesses that you step into and then it clips with, I don't actually know what they're called, but the clip that's on all their collars. This harness clipped behind her shoulder blades and then had like two rings that kind of stuck out from there and you clipped the leash to that. She chewed through that one in about two days because whenever I would try to put it on her, she would bite at it. So that didn't last. I did actually duct tape it <laughs> and use it for a little bit longer, but ultimately it was just such a hassle getting it on her that I went to one that slipped over her head and clipped behind her front legs. So like at her shoulder, there were two clips and then it had a martingale aspect to it in between those two attachment ports with a clip there. Martin Gale is just that other loop. So when a dog is walking on a loose leash, it's open and there's more space. And if they pull or they go to the end of the leash length, then it pinches them. And there's Martin there are Martingale collars, there are harnesses that have Martingale aspects. But it's a tool to prevent dogs from escaping. So in this harness, Pino can't wiggle out of it because it gets smaller when she pulls. After using this harness, I did actually use a more traditional harness and she did almost slip out of it once or twice. Where with this martingale aspect of it, at her shoulder blades. So it's not pulling her neck or her head. But it's one, a signal if she goes to the end of her leash line. Two, she can't escape out of the harness because it will tighten. And three, I can use it as a communication tool with her if I need to. But we quickly discovered that Pinot actually walked better when you were clipping a harness in the front. And this harness did have a front loop, but again, it was that martingale aspect. So it wasn't really designed to be used exclusively in the front loop. 
and it just like wasn't the best front lead harness. So I switched to the more traditional front lead harness that everybody rants and raves about. It has like 27,000 reviews on Amazon alone. It's called the Easy Walk Harness. It's more, it's simpler. It clips around their body and then one strap that goes across their chest. And then it has the martingale mechanism at the front of their chest. I loved that harness. That was my favorite thing to walk Pino with. Unfortunately, after a few months, she started running away from it whenever I would try to put it on. And then I got her groomed and I found some like identical bald spots. So Pino has a very large rib cage. She has a large girth in dog measurements, but she has a very small chest width. So when she was walking correctly, the harness was actually slipping a little bit too far down her arms and was giving her a little rash burn. Like it just was wearing away at the hair. So of course she stopped liking it. Like it was uncomfortable for her. After that, I actually just started walking her on her everyday walks on her collar because we had moved into an apartment at this time. So I was taking her out to go to the bathroom constantly and just like getting her in and out of the other harness that I had, which I love this harness. It's a wilder dog trail harness and it has a beautiful handle and it's really useful when we go hiking. But that is the harness that she almost slipped out of in a training session. We were at a puppy group session and she really wanted to play and I was trying to get her to listen to me and she kept trying to go play with the dog and she actually almost got out of the harness. But whenever we went hiking, she is always like just so happy to be on the trail that I haven't had any problem with it in that setting. But that's why I don't use that every day. And that's more of a traditional style harness. The clip is a little bit farther back on her shoulder blades because there's a handle. And then leashes. I used a nylon leash for a really long time and then I found this bungee cord leash. It had a padded handle and the bungee cord was so nice for me, especially when Pino wasn't so great at walking and would jump around and lunge around. It really saved my shoulder blades, but she can get too excited when we see other dogs just like crazy excited. Um, She's not reactive in the way that you think of a reactive dog. You know, she's not barking, lunging, snapping, fearful, or angry at other dogs walking by, but she thinks it is playtime and like will jump around in play dance mode and just get super excited. So, I was advised to stop using the bungee cord leash because you can't communicate in the same way with a dog with it because it's a bungee cord. So you lose that ability to use the leash as a communication tool. So then I used a biothane leash, which I really liked, and now I've settled on this leather leash and I love it. It has a little bit of give, but it's still able to be used as a communication tool to Pino to let her know like you are at the end of the leash or come back or hey pay attention to me a little bit. You can still use it in that aspect but it has a little bit of give for me and I think it's a pretty happy medium so I love the leather leash and then I've actually went back to that original harness that has the martingale aspect on her shoulders because I personally like using a harness better It makes me feel a little bit more secure and safe and confident that, you know, if she's jumping around because she's excited and seeing another dog, her neck won't get pulled in a way that I dislike. But yes, so 
that's just our journey. I think she's had five, four, four harnesses and like five leashes in 10 months. But like I said, amortization, all were used for enough time to make it worth it. And honestly, it's trial and error. It's just how you enjoy walking your dog, what tools you want to use, and just ensure you're using them correctly so you're not harming your dog. That number one, like make sure that you are choosing the correct tool for your dog and you know how to use it so you're not causing any unintentional damage, psychological or physical, to them. The other thing that comes with walking your dogs, and people get very opinionated about it, is how you walk your dog. Pino, like I said, is super social and gets super excited, and I love that for her, but it can make her really difficult to walk around other dogs, and that was one thing that the trainer worked with her a lot while she was at the immersion training was heel. And so heel is when she walks at my left side. She's supposed to be a step behind me. She's usually a step in front of me, but she's walking much closer to my body. She's paying attention to me. Um, So it's much more structured. She's not sniffing around at everything, which brings me to the other type of walk where you're not really controlling what your dog's doing. You're letting them sniff, letting them choose where they want to go, kind of thing. Um, I think both are necessary and I think both are valuable. I want Pino to be a dog. Dogs experience the world through smells. I mean, she is a dog, so like, yeah, but I want her to live her best life. Um, but I also want her to live a safe life. So I think that there's ways to do both. I mean, we go out multiple times a day and I just structure it differently. You know, if we're going on a walk where I'm I know that there are going to be a lot of dogs and people. I tend to walk her in more of a heel position, more structured. We do training throughout the walk, um, just keeping her really engaged with me. Whereas if we're just walking around the building and around the complex, you know, going to the bathroom or just exploring, I really let her sniff and take her time and kind of decide what pathways we go on just to give her that balance. So that's our walking story. It changes constantly. As you can see, it's been a lot and lot, a lot of trial and error and a lot of training work. Oh, the other thing I do is on our morning walk, when I do a more structured walk and training throughout it, I tend to feed her about half of her breakfast while we're doing the walk. So instead of using other treats, I take a portion of her breakfast, of her, like, the kibble, and use that as the training reward, and then she gets her breakfast when we get back from the walk, and that just keeps her super engaged with me. Um, I believe it's called hand feeding. She doesn't earn all of her breakfast that way, but it has been a really integral tool for her to have these training walks and have that engagement with me because she's super food-motivated, but also ensuring that, you know, she's not getting too many extra treats and going overweight. So I've found that super helpful, but it's been a journey and it's been fun and frustrating, but we're figuring it out. She's mellowing out a little as she gets older and the world isn't as exciting to her, unfortunately. I love the puppy awe 
that she has, so I don't want to see it dissipate, but my shoulder will definitely be happier when it does. And yeah, that's a little bit of our journey. I bet you didn't think there was that much that goes into walking a dog, but there is. And I'm going to wrap this episode up here, but thank you so much for listening each week. I hope you go try them all back. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, all of the above. And if you want to support the podcast, you can do so through Anchor. They actually have a creator support button. So if you feel so inclined, that option is available. As always, thank you, thank you for listening. I've had so much fun doing this and I'm excited to keep doing this. Cheers, everyone. Say goodbye, Pino. Oh, <laughs>